Welcome back to your safe space, The Beauty and Being Real. Hey everyone, welcome back to The Beauty and Being Real. I hope you're all doing well. Ignore my voice because I'm a little bit under the weather, but I wanted to record this for you guys. So in today's episode, we had the wonderful Cora Frank. I met Cora through House of Jazz. She's currently living in Germany, but I'm hoping to see her in London at some point for a House of Jazz catch-up or like a class or something, so it'd be so nice. In this episode, we spoke about multi-disciplines, how to balance them, have multiple creative outlets, and it doesn't take away from you as a human being or anything like that. You can be a dancer and a choreographer. You don't have to decide. So, without further ado, let's get into this episode. Hello! Yeah. I'm really excited. So am I. Could you start by saying a little bit about yourself, your training and work in the industry? Sure. So, I'm originally from Germany. I studied sports after my A-levels while performing at regional theatres in Germany mostly musicals and plays. And then I did my undergrad at GSA, then a master's in Dublin, and now I'm back in Germany. And it kind of went from like commercial musical theater and all the like the big shows to more experimental, immersive work with and without music and writing too. So not just performing and like kind of expanded in that direction and I'm not mad about it. (laughs) love that we're going to get into that a little bit later on I'm really excited to dive into that because it's not something I've heard of before so when you like suggested that I was so excited nice great stuff what issues do you think are in the performing arts industry or you can do any of the industries you're in writing sports anything like that and how do you think we can help to resolve them I think to understand where I'm get going to get too is that the root of theater for me is as an art form is like a collaborative synergy of various different creative and technical aspects and i feel like some people tend to forget it's a group effort and i think that's not the people in itself i think it's more like capitalism and meritocracy yeah. and everything and all about full-time jobs and the belief that 110 percent of effort should go into your work otherwise you won't be whatever success is um and that leaves no room for like passions hobbies or anything and no matter if these activities can be monetized or not and you know coming from a sports record myself i've always tried to hide it because i was afraid that me being a sports scientist will diminish the fact that i'm also a performer you know and i think COVID and the lockdown kind of helped some people because they discovered new passions and skills whether that's related to their creative jobs or not and you know people became like teachers educators writers poets podcasters (laughs) and all (laughs) these amazing things um but i feel like the more labels you put onto yourself the more confusing it gets for people because it's more difficult for them they can't put you just in one box they can't scan you label you and judge you you know And I reflected a bit on that during lockdown. I was like, wow, that's really what's bugging me about the industry as well, especially in the musical theater sphere, like this box theater. If you train in musical theater, you have to be in musicals as a performer. Otherwise, you're a failure, you know? And if you're working a different job in theater um, or front of house, stage managing, directing, whatever, or even if you're not working in theater, but you train in musical theater, you're not successful. But 
I think that's also like capitalism again and the whole society brainwashing you to believe in believing that success is based on money, fame, big whatever gigs or followers or whatever. And yeah, I think that's a big issue that it's all about the credits that you have or the people you work with. And I realized when I was asked like, how are you? What are you doing? I always answer by saying the projects I'm working on and not how I am like as a person, yeah. you know? because I define myself through my work, which is on one hand a great thing because it's my passion and I wanna talk about it. And it's a big part of my identity, but it's not the whole of my identity. Like there's more to me than my art and my work. Um, and yeah, happiness kind of gets in the way if you're pursuing that definition of success and people like judge or, or seem to judge you by your credits rather than how you really are and yeah that's the one thing that's just yeah really annoying to me I remember my old teacher said to me that before you and actually you were two different people and I never understood that until like now I've grown up so I remember being told that when I was like 16 and now I'm 19 and I've grown up and I do understand it a little bit more yeah but I remember Christy Lee Manning saying about like definitions of success and how she taught exactly. us to, like to define it ourselves. What would you say your definition of success is? That's a big one. Yeah, um, sorry, I know that was not <laughs> No, 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 interesting. That's so, that's so fine. Um, I think I'm still trying to find that out. Actually, yeah. um, I think leading with the happiness aspect or like. Fe the feeling of peace almost because I got so drawn into doing all the projects and all the things and working with all the people which is great don't get me wrong but I got so lost in achieving all these things that I was not really enjoying the present moment no matter what it was about I got so fixated on achieving and goals that um, I kind of focused all my living energy on that instead of actually living and not just achieving things so yeah I think it's personal fulfillment and happiness ish it's still a work in progress <laughs> no I, I agree my definition is to do with happiness as well so I remember during lockdown Drew McConey said your priority should always be happiness and I was like how can I be happy if I'm not successful and then again with age right slowly understanding it yeah it's crazy how, how these things are so connected or how we are taught to connect these things, success and happiness or, or, or like success and fulfillment, because sometimes, you know, the big jobs or the big paychecks don't fulfill you. And that's OK. But I think, yeah, sometimes it's just about realizing that and recognizing that also the smaller gigs or can be more fulfilling and that's there's nothing wrong with you not trying to achieve the big things it's about being fulfilled which is not easy because we live in a capitalistic society but yeah. <laughs> it helps to put it into perspective i think 100 how hard is it yeah. to be a multi-hyphenate in brackets triple threat and with all performers have to evolve to be this in the changing landscape do you reckon so for me, a multi-hyphenate is a person with like several skill sets and that can yeah. be in the same or a different or related field or whatever. Yeah, 100%. And with that logic, 
musical theater performers are pretty much multi-hyphenates. And like you said, triple threats is like a more common terminology yeah. used to describe these people because they are trained in the craft of acting, singing and dancing, which are three different things. And of course, when they do it, these skills are put together and yeah. merged into one, but they're still separate too. But then musical theater as an art form is basically already a multidisciplinary as it uses music, dance, drama, and like all the other things to convey yeah. story. And I think it's almost a non-negotiable thing to be expanding or to look outside of your like own horizon, even if you're training and just acting, which is incredible, go for it. But don't forget that there are other things too and, and have a look and like don't feel like because you're quote unquote just an actor you're not allowed to take a movement class you're not allowed to go i don't know do pottery or whatever you know or or take a directing course or do a script writing course or or take on a job as such things i think it's it's i for myself have noticed it's so great to have the possibility to have multiple creative outlets for my creativity. Like I don't have to just, again, in quotation marks, just be a musical theater performer, which I love. I love doing that because it combines multiple things I really enjoy doing. But I also like to write because I feel like that also really fosters my creativity and it informs my performing and my performing doesn't form my writing. So I feel like it's yeah, again, a synergy of the two things. And I think I would encourage everyone to try out different creative things or other things. It doesn't have to be creative to see what works for them or what helps them. Because again, we're not just artists, we're also human beings. I and I think a balance makes it all work. I and yeah, like I mean, if you look at, yeah, sorry, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I feel like for a lot of people, it's really hard to distinguish themselves from performer to person, like separate them because you spend so much of your life training. I feel like it's quite difficult. I think especially like in auditions, no matter <laughs> if it's for college or for any jobs, that's such a grey zone because there is your performer self but you're also the human being getting the job and then you kind of have to walk the line in between yeah i'm presenting myself as a performer but i also want to show my true authentic self as a person yeah it, it's a tricky thing <laughs> because our our craft is so close to who we are and our own identity that it kind of gets mixed up which is not a bad thing i think we just have to take a second every now and then to realize that it's okay to take a step back from one thing or just, you know, compare and contrast and don't let them merge into each other or let one part take over the other. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, like you said, I feel like it is a fine line. And also, it's like when you don't get an audition, you take it personally as a person, not really as yourself as a performer, but then it could intertwine oh, between you two. Totally. Like rejection is a whole other thing, right? Where it's about you're not rejected as you yourself as a person. It's not necessarily the skill set even. It's just that you as a package don't fit. 
in within whatever they're looking for and that doesn't mean that you're not worthy or you're not good enough or you're not funny enough or you're not pretty enough or whatever and that's such a hard thing to or hard pill to swallow because our industry especially as performers is so much about how we look and like outer all the outer things and not who we are inside 100 it i when i like audition for jobs that aren't in the industry it's really weird to not go in and like be a performer like just be yourself it's really weird because then you go into an audition and you're doing all this stuff and like at the end of the day you're auditioning for a job because you always see it's like auditioning for like a show or auditioning for this company when it's like a job and it's just mad when you actually break it down it, it's still something I'm coming to terms with for sure but when totally. I go to yeah when I go to college I'm just studying dance but like you said I, I'm still going to do singing and acting lessons because I enjoy them and like it's fun it, you, I'm not just going to go to dance and study dance for sure so after we spoke we, you said about lighting and like the technical side as well so how big of a role is lighting and other technical assets in a play in creating sort of like a good show how much does it come into it would you say now that you said it out loud I was just thinking about um I I wrote like a theater critic article like way back and they yeah. asked me one question which was what's the main aspect of a great show and back then I was like yeah the performers and now I'm like wait actually <laughs> it's not just that and I you know now reflecting back I'm realizing how blindsided I was back then not knowing how all the aspects go into it and I think I think I mentioned to you like life of Pi, as an example or, or just think of six like how much the lighting affects the performance as a whole and adds to it as well. And um, I recently read Collaborating Backstage, which is a, a book from Timo Nierman, and he's talking about all these things like how creative art is so diverse and how collaboration is hard because every single field or aspect works differently. And he kind of says like, yeah, every choreography uses a different language in lighting and as costumes and uh, blah, 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 and it's about finding like a common ground to create a piece that is understandable for everyone watching it but yeah i do believe that lighting and, and tech whatever that umbrella term means depending on the show has a huge impact on how we feel as an audience or how we watch a show like Sun. again six yeah six as an ex like example in one extreme of heavy lighting and sound and, and effects and stuff and very visually almost overwhelming at times but that's what makes it special and i've recently watched watched the screened recording version of fleabag at the Soul okay. playhouse which is like super stripped back with only like one chair in the middle and there's some sound effects here and there and it runs for like 80 minutes and they're like i don't know a handful of sound cues but they're so nicely placed that they just add perfectly to the atmosphere and like some bits and pieces here that help me to paint a clearer picture of the scene and imagine it in my head way better and even the lighting or like the lighting the flashing of the lights and i'm like oh yeah she's in the tube or whatever you know um so i do believe that all the aspects especially the tech these days because tech is so evolving and in, we live in a digital world right like projection lighting sound 
and any like effects or back to the future like i'm just thinking of examples like the car and everything you're just sitting there like oh my god what is happening like that's theater too that's life entertainment as well and i think it's so great that these shows use that use these like advantages of or or like discoveries that we as a society or or as yeah an ever-changing and evolving society that uses tech can provide while also having productions that don't or just use it bits and pieces here and there but overall i think everything plays a big part and it just goes to show that every aspect is important I mean, imagine Back to the Future or Six without like the lights. Yeah, literally. <laughs> It'd be weird, right? Wouldn't like work. <laughs> yeah, so I did a tech course where I used to work. And so I've done sort of the performance side and the technical side. And I was just thinking when you were like listing examples, I was thinking of how in Les Mis, when I can't remember which character it was, but it was singing a solo. And then it was like a spotlight on them. And everyone else, the ensemble, came on the stage to sing with them, but you couldn't see them until the big note. And it was just thinking, like, how, like, that literally gave me, like, shivers because you didn't know they were there and how powerful it made it. And that's thanks to the lighting. Yeah. I and mean, I just it's the magic of live theatre, right? Yeah. 100%. And it's, like, in Newsies when it was lit dark, and somebody came down a zip wire and you had no idea there was a zip wire there until it lit up and like the sound effects. And it's like adding these little elements of surprise, I find it always gives me like goosebumps when something like that happens. So I yeah. feel like it is vital that we have them. But I also like what you said about how some shows don't have it like every five minutes. Cause a lot of shows I've been in, every single like dance break, different lighting, different lighting, scene change, different lighting. Like when it's minimal, it still has the effect. Magic, it's almost like magical moments, you know, and that can be through storytelling if you have like a very emotional scene or a song, but it can also be these quote unquote tiny moments like the zip line where you're like, oh my God, wow. And that adds to the story and it adds some sort of like, yeah, element of surprise to it, if not magic almost. Like I was thinking about Ghost too. Yes. the musical version where Carl just or no no it's it's Sam that's the other one that's just walking through the door you know and that's also like a trick and you're just like oh my god that just happened and that works so well within the show because it suits the story and I, I think as long as you use these effects or technical things or whatever to further the story or paint a clearer picture of what is shown I would say like go for it because it just just creates like creates this illusion and furthers the escapism that theater can provide so why not try and do it 100 when i did my tech course we went outside with these bunch of lights and we lit up trees all different colors and we stopped we told the story of covid and how it affected us and there was no there was music that we singed it to but there was no words in the music or anything and it was just told entirely from music and the lights and how people manage to get that without even us speaking or us telling the story they had like their own interpretations and it related to them so I think it shows how powerful the technical side can be as well totally 100%. yeah you mentioned life of pi and I remember you saying something about his pup oh 
puppetry. Why was this successful and why do you think it won an award? I personally haven't seen it, but I've seen little clips of it. So, yeah. I mean, I'm not a judge at the Olivier, so I can yeah. only presume. <laughs> but I'd say, um, I mean, Olivier Awards, they are awards that recognize excellence in professional theater. So for me, what, what is excellent? Like outstanding quality. And yeah. I think it's outstanding quality also encompasses expectation, like surpassing expectations and norms and challenging the status quo. So something that's basically innovative, thought provoking and willing to take risks. And that's what I'm seeing in that show, like so much innovation in, in implementing technical aspects aspects that are so blended well together and it's not that you know they create a puppetry like we know puppetry we know puppetry in musicals and plays we've seen yeah. Li lion king which is yes. mind-blowing right <laughs> or have you seen war horse no i when i was younger it got put on and i cried when the horse like got shot at the start and i just haven't been able to watch it since but i've seen like the puppetry of the horse and how it works. Yeah, so I feel like Warhorse could walked so Life of Pi could run, you know, almost. <laughs> yeah, I know, I get you. <laughs> Stay within like the <laughs> metaphor. But um I think it just shows how again theater and puppetry and and, and any any other aspects are involving. And Warhorse at that time I remember was such a shocking and surprising thing because it worked so well and like you said like people were scared especially younger kids because they're like oh my god i've never seen that before that's so scary yeah, is it a real I'm horse or not yeah and i remember watching tarzan where they like fly around and i was very small when i watched it and i got so scared and i almost i i think i even cried because <laughs> i i was yeah i was scared because i have not experienced something like that before at that time and I think, not that Life of Pi creates an audience that cries and is scared, <laughs> <laughs> but um, it just does something new. And that's the cool thing about it. It's innovative and it's, you know, it's based on, I think, it's a play based on a movie, based on a novel. So we know adapting stories works, but um, it's, I think, the accomplished execution of transforming the story into a new genre that was so mind blowing because, you know, it's about a tiger and a young guy, yeah. a boy almost. And you're like, how is that supposed to work on a live theater stage? And of course they didn't put a live tiger on there because that's not work, that doesn't work maybe in a circus, but not on a live theater stage, I'd say. So they found like an equivalent for the animal and it works so well and it's so mind-blowing to see something like that where you'd say how is this um story meant to be on the stage it's not it's not meant for the stage it can't be on the stage but then i think it's about the creative team being like hey we're proving you wrong because we can do it and i think it's yeah like i said i think it's innovation again element of surprise too and the unexpectedness of them doing that and of course it's risky because I, I don't want to know how much money is on there on the yeah. stage every night um 
and of course that's not something accessible to every production or every production that's trying to be innovative and thought-provoking and i think that's worth acknowledging and it definitely helped adapting a pre-existent franchise for the stage in terms yeah. of audience um as well as creating or having producers on board that were able to push it further but putting that aside i think yeah it was just really well blended together with the technical aspects and then again that you know sets a new stone or is a new step up to more diversity and inclusion in theater i mean i think they also won i think best Oh God, I'm gonna butcher this. Lead actor or something like that. And they gave it to all the performers of the line, which is such a cool thing. Like, I love to see that because it kind of pushes the boundary of what quote unquote best leading actor in a play is. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I, I'm really glad that we moved away from like real animals and have found this incredible <laughs> alternative. So I think it makes it so much more yeah. magical. Like one animals aren't being like exploited and two to come up with something as creative as that I think it's incredible oh yeah but I it's becoming like a lot more popular like puppetry and like animatronics because I went to see the pantomime at the London Palladium like last year and it was Jack and Beanstalk and they had this like blow up beanstalk that went through the audience that was just mind-blowing and the giant was like this animatronic, which scared the living daylights out of me because I'm like <laughs> deadly afraid of animatronics. But like thinking about it now, it was so cool. And just hearing like the gasps from the audience, it just became, oh, it just creates such like an atmosphere. It's incredible. Yeah. Like you said, it's the gasps, right? That just, you know, tie us to our chair and make us lean in instead of leaning back because like oh my god what's if that happened just now what's gonna happen next Ooh, it's like you're on a roller coaster ride yeah sorry i love it so you mentioned having like multiple sort of like roles whether that's in the industry or out the industry like creative outlets how do you think you can be a successful dancer and choreographer at the same time in the industry because i teach dance now as it is on top of like training to be a professional dancer and as soon as I mentioned that oh yeah I teach they're like oh so you're a teacher and I'm like oh no I'm training to be a performer they're like but you teach so are you training to become a teacher it's like no I do that like as well as my performing I enjoy teaching people at the same time so it feels from my personal experience that you can be one or the other and that's like there's no sort of gray area or like middle ground between them so what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I totally hear you. I get that all the time too. Mm-hmm. For me, it's more like performing and writing. And yeah. the last year, actually, I've spent directing. So that's like throws people off all the time because they're like, but I think I thought you were a writer and performer and now you directed something. What's, huh? do you not know what you want to do? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I do know what I want to do. I just want to try out different things. So yeah, I don't really have any advice other than keep going and keep pursuing what you want and keep having these discussions and not backing down because it's always about, yeah, they want to put you in a box because that's easier to handle than you balancing two things. And they sometimes can't imagine you doing two things because they're maybe they're too scared to do two things themselves and they don't want to see you 
doing two things and enjoying two things and being proud of enjoying two things you know and I think it's never yeah it's never in like a 50 50 balance that's what I'm realizing now um it's hard to fulfill everything I want to do all the time so I have to find a way of balancing and now I'm writing I'm writing a new show now and then I'm gonna perform later I'm gonna do stage management for a bit because I haven't tried that and I really want to have a glimpse into that because I want to have more appreciation for people doing that and more understanding of their craft so I can use that knowledge to put into my next show and you know be more aware of what they're doing and how I can support them and help them but yeah I know there are some people out there who just don't understand and sadly there's not much to do other than persevere and endure but I hope it helps to say that I struggle with that too and it's never easy and you I you I always see like wait but you train in MT why why are you writing and I'm like because I like doing it and it brings me joy and it fulfills me and they're like yeah but you train in MT like I know thank you for reminding me but it still doesn't take away from the fact that I'm also a writer and I like to use for me I like to use a tagline like performer writer ginger and some people hate it because they're like, why are you, why are you identifying as a ginger? And I'm like, yeah, because I am a ginger, first of all. And second of all, because I feel like it's such a weird terminology that people don't know what to do with. And I kind of like that, the weirdness and the awkwardness of it, because it kind of, for me, defining myself as that or using it as a tagline, it helps me to allow myself to have different things going on and jump into directing for once or do stage management or produce a show or whatever. Um, and it helps me to not feel like I have to justify myself too. Like, I feel like I need to be at ease with what I do and who I am before I can defend who I am to other people or what I do. And that kind of helped me to first of all stop putting myself into boxes where i might not even belong to and allow myself to have a glimpse outside of them um yeah and then sharing it with people and and talking about it and being like yeah i i that's valid what you're saying go you and celebrate i think it's i think the industry is getting better at it and getting better at allowing space to be multiple things and allowing space to celebrate that, which I think is one of the biggest steps onto appreciation and acknowledgement of that. And yeah, so celebrate all of your passions and celebrate your friends or your family or your colleagues, because it's it's so cool. And I think it can inform what you do to no matter what it is. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I've never been the type of person to do just one thing. Like everyone says it, I work, I think it's like six or seven jobs now. And they're like, can you not just do one thing? And it's like, no, I want to do like everything I want to. And it's always been like it. When I did Legally Blonde last week, I had eight different roles. And they were like, this is so you <laughs> to play like eight different things at once. I was like, yep. But it's because it's fun and I really I really like that answer so much so thank you for that I really resonated with that so thank you well I can just give it back and just what you said if it's fun for you it creates happiness and that's that success for you so bam jackpot right yes 
Um, this next question is more for you rather than the industry. So I saw your original play you wrote, Man ooh, Marriage with Benefits. Can I ask, how did it go? What's it about? What was your process of like writing and performing it? Like a little bit about that. That's like the most personal thing I've ever done because it's yeah. about uh, struggling with identity and it's actually just about what we talked. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah, because my ever like I've wrote a few short plays and monologues and duologues and then I wrote a play showering about sexual assault and a sibling dynamic and um then I always desired to write something very very personal and a friend of mine was like just start why are you always saying you want to start just start and I was like okay fair 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 I'll do it and then it kind of transformed into almost like a TED talk turning into a stand-up comedy something routine yeah and it's all about yeah like trying to figure out who you are and where you belong and not searching outside of yourself but maybe looking inside and and listening to that and it's also about struggle with immigration and multiple cultural identities and how to balance that and how to deal with people not accepting you and of course that's like a little bit of a few winks here and there uh, making it a bit more funny more dark comedy-ish but yeah yeah that, <laughs> I, that's kind of how I operate like I like to take some pretty serious topics and not sugarcoat them but like play around with them and have yeah. some have a fun comedy thing and then like hit them with a few darker notes here and there that's and why, not yeah. like I, I mean that, that's what life's about right it's not linear journey it's mm -hmm. about ups and downs all the time. That's what I'm trying to reflect in my work too. Of course, the comedy is really nice. And I think we need more comedy in the world because the world is a fucked up place. And yeah, we need to have fun. We need to be entertained. We need to escape from that world and um, note about the real world, so to speak, quote unquote, here and there and about struggles is yeah. always great. But then comedy is also nice. So yeah, I hope it. I hope it answered your question. <laughs> no, it did. Can I just? This isn't on my list, but can I ask, like, why you decided to write? Like, what inspired you? I'm really intrigued. <sighs> why? Um, I think I just wanted to try something that's out of my comfort zone. Um, I love that yeah. so much. I think, yeah. There's this quote, I'm going to quote that wrong. And I also don't know where it's from. So <laughs> excuse me to whoever has ownership over that quote. But it's like, a comfort zone is a beautiful place, but nothing ever grows there. Um, Yeah, and I'm trying to live by that. Sounds a bit serious, but like implement it into my practice. And I've always liked comedy and stuff. And I was like, no. I need to be a serious playwright because otherwise people won't recognize me as a serious playwright. Yes. Again, like the box that. thing, right? Mm -hmm. So I have to have this big play about the most dramatic things in the world and then people will look up to me or or even not even look up to me, but respect me or acknowledge that I'm a playwright. And I was like, but playwriting is so much more than writing dramas you can do anything especially in a world where we're moving towards multi and interdisciplinary works like 
immersiveness or interactive stuff or improv stuff. And I was like, let's do one woman comedy show because I'm so scared to do that. Let's just, yeah, just jump right in and see what happens. <laughs> oh my God, I love that so much. That's amazing. Oh. Yeah, but not to say it was always easy. It was no, a struggle, but I'm so glad I like jumped in. Oh my God, that's amazing. Is there anything else you would like to add to any of the questions? Or, by the way, I feel like this has a lot of pressure. You can just say no, like you're okay. <laughs> I think I'm just repeating myself, but put yourself out there. Just start doing whatever it is you want to do and read The War of Art. Thanks to Christy Lee Manning. It's an amazing book. It talks yes. about resistance and about how outside factors hold us back from doing or pursuing what we want to pursue it's about overcoming that and eventually stepping out of your comfort zone um yeah thank you so much no thank you i love talking to you and i love talking about the things <laughs> yeah thank you thanks for being so open about that topic it's so important that we talk about it more and i appreciate it that i got some space to share I really hope you enjoyed. Thank you so much to Cora for being a part of this episode. I Cora has been one of our biggest supporters and I'm so grateful for her. She is so lovely and I'm really lucky that we were able to find a time to sit down and record. I also appreciate how much effort she put into it. She put down all these bullet points. She gave me ideas of what the episode should be on. And it's something that I feel like is really important to discuss how we're put into boxes like for example if you go down the commercial dance route you can't do ballet you can't be a singer you can't be an actor you if you go down just doing a musician you can't act you can't dance you can't do whatever etc and you can't dance and choreograph at the same time i feel like we need to stop limiting ourselves and other people need to accept that we can be more than just one thing and also our Selves as a performer isn't us as a human and I feel like that's something I've always struggled to understand because my old um, sixth form teacher used to say performer you is not person you and I feel like as performers we take so much of our career into our personal lives that they can get very blurred the lines between them and they can merge together quite a lot so it's interesting to see how we can work on separating the two and exploring both equally but yeah, really hope you guys enjoyed. Thank you so much, Cora, again. And I will see you next week for another episode of The Beauty and Being Real. This podcast was written and recorded by Alicia Smith. It was produced and edited by George Ray.